Overcome burnout by filling up your cup. Interview with Nicole Warr. Do you feel from time to time feeling like, you know, you're feeling exhausted or your sleep is not right or you just don't feel that energy and that passion for work that you usually have? Well, that may indicate that you may be at the brink of burnout. Well, I don't know about you, but most of the people go sometimes at the brink of getting burnout when they are so much focused on work or the demands are so high and they are not able to keep pace with it. So what can we do to do the things that we enjoy to perform the work at our best potential, yet still maintain our ability to function without feeling drained, without feeling burnout? Are there things we can do? Well, if you'd like to learn, you are in for a treat today. Today, our guest, Nicole Warr, is going to share some of her own life story, how she overcame burnout, and the tools that she helps her clients. Welcome to Happy and Healthy Mind. My name is Dr. Rosina. I'm a psychiatrist, author, and speaker. Over the last 20 years, I have been serving as a medical doctor specializing in psychiatry, best-selling author, and a transformative speaker. I believe that our mind is the software that runs the hardware for our brain and our body. And therefore, I share tools for mental fitness over here so you can live your best life without burnout and unnecessary suffering. Please consult your healthcare professional for any specific advice. But if you like this content and find it helpful, then join our mission of eradicating preventable suffering and suicides by liking, subscribing, and sharing so more people can live their best life with health and happiness. So let's welcome Nicole. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Rosina. It's a pleasure to be having this conversation with you because we're both really committed to doing the work in advance and we're committed to prevention so we can avoid getting to that place of just absolute crisis and desperation. So I'm excited to be here and share my story with you. Wonderful. So let me share a little bit about Nicole. Nicole Weyer is the founder of Root to Rise Coaching. She's a certified holistic health and life coach specializing in burnout prevention. As someone who experienced burnout early in her career, Nicole, Nicole possesses an insider's understanding of how easy it can be to buy into an organizational culture that nurtures self-sacrifice instead of honoring what we need. She is dedicated to starting conversations around how we are living and leading and inspiring each other. So let's learn from her. So Nicole, please share. How did this topic become important in your life? You know, share us, share with us your before and after story. Absolutely. I would be happy to. I was in education. I worked in schools for over 20 years and loved that work and was excited to step into my first leadership position at a pretty young age. Was excited to be a person who could help not only shape the school culture, but also really to lead and guide a team of faculty and staff when we were all focused on best serving our students. And what I really started to see and what happened to me is I got my dream job. I was in the place that I wanted to be. And when I got there, I just automatically bought into some of the organizational culture, some of those unspoken core values of 
we're always available and we're working all the time. And I just follow the lead of so many of my colleagues. And as I did that, I started to feel more and more overwhelmed. I started to feel compelled to say yes to anything and everything, even when I knew that I didn't really have the energy or the capacity to deliver at my best. I started to lose myself in my job, thinking that that's what leadership looked like. If you were a leader, you needed to be sacrificing yourself. You needed to be always available. You needed to be around constantly. And on the one hand, some of that is true. But on the other hand, it was exhausting. And what happened for me is I didn't really have anybody to talk, to, to talk with about it. We would look around the leadership table and with that knowing glance of, mm, we're all kind of feeling it, but we couldn't name it. And so many of us were struggling. We didn't feel as though we could talk about it because again, it fed into this, leaders are supposed to always have thick skin and broad shoulders and be able to do it all. And at the same time, what started to happen for me was I was exhausted. I started to feel like I was just carrying all of this weight along with me. The job that I loved, I started to lose some of that joy. I was so excited about the work I was doing, but the work and the joy started to dim. And I wasn't sleeping. I didn't have the patience that I wanted or that I needed to be the leader that I wanted to be. And it ended up taking such a toll on me personally because I started to feel really isolated even though I was part of a team. And I knew that there had to be something else. I wasn't sure what it was, but I knew that what I was doing was not sustainable. And so how did the life change and how's the life now? Hmm. I love that question because life changed really dramatically. I got to this point of just feeling heavy and exhausted and just tired and frustrated. And I also realized that I didn't like the person I was becoming. And I knew that there had to be something that I could do differently. And I also knew that it was going to start with me because I had tried to kind of have those conversations around the leadership table and we just couldn't do it. So I started doing a lot of my own work around where my boundaries were, what I was saying yes to and what I was saying no to. I started to really listen to the messages coming from mind, body and spirit, which were really loud that I had simply not listened to and simply avoided and done this, I'm gonna look the other way. So I started to move more, prioritize rest, prioritize nourishing myself and getting better about saying yes and saying no when it was something that was possible. It doesn't mean obviously when you're in a crisis and everyone has to pitch in that you don't, but I was much more discerning about things that I was going to take on because I wanted to be able to bring my best. That actually resulted in an awful lot of inner work for me about my own process of self-worth and am I supposed to sacrifice myself for other people or can I matter? So I needed to do some really deep looking at my inner landscape about am I worth taking care of? And if I am, and as I start to take care of myself, I was a better leader. I was more patient. 
I came up with better solutions. Um, I was much more creative. I was a much better colleague. The work that I did was higher quality. I was able to say, I have to make sure that my cup is full <laughs> because when it was, I could bring my best to my students, my families, my colleagues, and my team. And I was able to really deliver on the mission of the institution. But I had to stop sacrificing myself and I had to start prioritizing myself. And that, it was a long process and it's been a lengthy process because as I moved into different roles, I saw a lot of the same things. Mm-hmm. Because we don't get there overnight. And so the, we don't go from a place of feeling great to completely exhausted in the span of a week or a month. And what I also had to learn was patience because it took me a while to get there. And it took me time to figure out what I needed to do. And it took me time and patience to walk through it. And now I love the work that I do because I have come back into organizations to start this conversation that I couldn't have with a lot of my leadership colleagues. Talk about how we're living, how we're leading. We get to talk about whether or not we are actually supporting the mission or whether or not we are actually cultivating unspoken core values of self-sacrifice and martyrdom, which are not what any of us intend to do. Do you still kind of uh, fall back from time to time? (laughs) I am a gloriously imperfect human, so. (laughs) Absolutely. There are, yes. I mean, I think it's, it's a daily practice like anything else, right? It's that daily commitment that we make to what can I do? Um, Am I nourished? Am I rested? Am I, am I coming from this place of thoughtfulness? Um, Where is my mindset at? And there are days where things feel really hard. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, when those struggles show up, I can navigate them with such better ease than I ever could before. So there are still peaks and valleys yeah. because I'm human, but they're not as steep. And yeah. I'm able to use a lot of the tools that I have learned. So it's bumpy, but it's not um, catastrophically bumpy anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I laugh because you know all of us kind of go through those phases, and so I thought, okay, let me be your client today and see what tools I can learn from you, so I can add to my toolbox that I practice and I teach others. And let me ask the audience at this time if you feel like you can use some of these tools. Just put yes in the comment section. Let's see what other, what tools we can learn from Nicole today. So tell us, uh, can you teach us some of those tools that may help us right away? Absolutely. I would be happy to, to start this conversation with you again, because it's, um, I think the, the most important thing is we have to slow down enough to start to notice what some of our patterns are because I think you and I might be similar or other people watching might be similar. What's easy is just to stay busy. Mm -hmm. What's easy is to be in motion all the time. So the the first piece is start to slow down a little bit and just notice how you are feeling and tune into those messages that are coming from your mind and your body and your spirit. Because 
sometimes we are simply just hungry. Sometimes we are simply just exhausted. And sometimes it's more than that. But when we're running and we're always in motion, we don't give ourselves a chance to stop and say, how am I feeling? Am I happy? Is this working? And when we pause, and it doesn't mean we suddenly slow down and take a six month hiatus, but when we start to downshift just a little, we start to really understand and tune into all of the information that, that we're being sent that we have completely disconnected from. Let me be a devil advocate uh, uh, for, a, for a minute. So let's say I'm your client and I'm, you, you're telling me to slow down. And, and I would say, well, like, you know, the work gives me excitement. It gives, keeps me going. I really enjoy it. And I have so many responsibilities that I don't feel that there is a way I can slow down. Mm-hmm. What would you say? I would say that, first of all, you are not alone in <laughs> being busy and having a full plate. What I would also say is, are you doing, are you doing the work to the quality and to the caliber that you know you're capable of? Or are you feeling consistently rushed? If we're in a place where we are, our, our day is full and the work that we're doing is really honoring us and is really our best work, then the question becomes, how do we, again, start to build in making sure that we're nourished, making sure that we have that sustainable foundation? If you're finding yourself finishing something and then having to go back and revise and do it again and come back because it wasn't exactly how we wanted it, that's a powerful message. The other piece is we can be busy, but are you busy doing things that are mission critical, doing things that are really moving you forward in your role, in your institution and in your life, or is it busy work? Are we purposefully busy or are we busy just to be busy because we need a distraction? Sometimes we're busy because we're running from something else. (laughs) Maybe the fact that we're tired, maybe the fact that we're unhappy, maybe the fact that the stress is compounding on our bodies and our spirits. So part of it is purposely busy or busy as a distraction. Those are some of the most, um, I would say, juicy conversations I have with my clients because most of them start to say, oh, it's all very purposeful. And we start to really look at it and they have this moment of, hmm, maybe I'm just filling my time because it's easier to be busy than it is to actually slow down and start to figure out what I need to give attention to. So is there is there a way like you you suggest to the, your clients to do journaling or talk about or just have a time for meditation? What are some of the ways you suggest uh, that people can slow down so they become aware of how they're actually feeling? That's a great question. And it's really, um, it's a multifaceted approach because for some people, Meditation works really well. Um, for some people, it is journaling. Um, for some people, it's this—it's really this idea about automatic writing, where you start, where you have a topic, and someone poses a question, and it's as simple as you just put pen to paper, and whatever words come out, you just start to write it. Because as we go through that process, and some of it is the action of writing, 
really starts to open up some of our deeper thoughts, um, whether or not they're limiting beliefs or fears or things that are helping keep us stuck. Um, and some of our patterns become kind of really brought out into the light. For some people, it's movement. It can be starting to move your body. And then afterwards, because that can be a clearing experience, because we're simply like we are present in our physical self. And then sitting down to journal can be a really great strategy as well. Because we've had to focus on something else we get out of our head to our physical body. And then that can clear our mind in a way that is really powerful. Um, I do a lot of work with my clients around mindset as well, really digging into those places where we have that fixed mindset that shows up that says this is how it always must be. And then also having conversations around neuroplasticity and around a growth mindset and how do we start to shift from this is everything must be this to there are certainly now possibilities. I'm an advocate of mindfulness and meditation and journaling. And again, for some of my clients that works and for some of them, they're like, you are not going to get me to sit for meditation. And so we try to find different, different tools that really work for them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I see the same thing with my clients. And then um, I teach them more active meditation. <laughs> Because their mind is too busy and it's like they're just not there to be able to sit for a passive activity. Mm -hmm. So we get into the active meditation. Could it be art or, you know, exercise mm -hmm. or dance or um, something really active, but that allows them to bring the focus to one point. So their mind is not that scattered and that gives the brain a little break from jumping all over and gives them a little break. So uh, that's interesting. So thank you. Is there, uh, you were saying that there are four steps that you usually take people through. So yeah. what are those four steps? Well, one of them is, is really some of the grounding activities with either the meditation and the journaling. One of them is also, we do a lot of work around where our boundaries are and our boundaries in terms of, if our boundaries are a reflection on how we respect ourselves and honor ourselves, that's a way that a lot of people haven't thought about them before. So we, I spend time with all of my clients, both one-on-one -on -one and in group settings, figuring out where our boundaries are, figuring, about, figuring out what we say yes to and what we say no to, and how that is connected to the relationship that we have with ourselves. As someone who is really good at putting other people first, I needed to look at what was underneath that habit of mine? Why did I put other people first? Is it because I didn't feel like I was enough? Is it because I felt invisible? Is it because I felt like there was a self-worth question for me, like everybody else was more important? And when we start to peel back those layers and then change our story, um, our boundaries come from messages from family and communities and neighbors when we're very young. And the opportunity for all of us is that we get to recalibrate those throughout our lives. They're not permanent. So spending time figuring out where those boundaries are, making some shifts and rewriting our story and recalibrating those is a really important part of it. So, so number one was grounding. Mm -hmm. And number two was uh, setting boundaries. Yes. And then number three was changing the stories yep. in your mind. And what was the fourth? Then 
Next one is I really focus on what I call health promoting activities. And these create a solid foundation that we get to function from. Health promoting activities are about sleep. They're about movement. It's about how we nourish our bodies. It's about hydration. It's about adventure and play and how we bring in fun and joy into our lives as well. And it's also about our relationship with technology, mm, yeah. <laughs> which impacts many of those things. Because when we have a solid foundation, when we are rested and nourished and clear-headed um, and focused, everything becomes possible. The challenges don't seem as steep. The, the obstacles that come across our path, which makes us human, seem easier to navigate. So a, a good portion of this is around creating that foundation through strengthening those health-promoting activities. And so what do you do for people if they are totally burned out? So like these are some of these tools that would help prevent burnout. Yeah. What to do when they are totally burned out? Mm-hmm. That's another great question. Um, <laughs> one of my one of the clients that I worked with um, for a six month period of time came to me at this place of feeling just completely exhausted and depleted. Like the tank was beyond empty. There were no fumes left in that gas tank. And where we started was really the health promoting activities. Where we started was, how do we start to move a little bit? How do we get our physical self to a place of being nourished and really able to function? Because when we slow down, and you know this, the adrenaline runs out of our bodies, our immune system is compromised, and it is really hard to do anything. So we started focusing on movement and sleep. Sleep also relates to mindfulness and to mindset. So we started at the gelatin of how do we rebuild the foundation because pieces of it were there, but a lot of it was cracked. So it meant, um, it meant starting at the basics. We spent over three months really building that foundation of sleep and nourishment and mindset with meditation and journaling. Then we were able to start looking at some of the other patterns and some of the habits and the choices that we just make automatically that keep us on this road of overwhelmed and anxious and exhausted. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, that that um, brings a point of like, you know, what we do in, in terms of uh, medicine to help people when they are at that uh, physically burnout state. And this, uh, for the special today, I'm going to be sharing one of those. So stay tuned. So before we go into that, Nicole, how can people reach you if they have further questions or they want to reach out to you? Beautiful. You can reach me um, from my website, from rootorisecoaching.com. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can also find me on Facebook. And I just recently launched um, launched a podcast with a fellow coach and entrepreneur called Midlife Calling, where we are talking about this journey at the midpoint of our lives, both personally and professionally, and what it looks like. And you can find that, um, sharing links for that on 
LinkedIn and Facebook. It's also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today. Do you have any take-home message for our audience? My message to all of you is you matter. And the time that we spend honoring ourselves pays dividends in ways that we can never imagine. So if you are in this place where it feels like trying to take care of yourself feels insurmountable, you're not alone and you don't have to do this by yourself. Reach out to me, reach out to other people, create a team around you that helps you move through this. So you move to a place of being excited about who you are and going from a place of survival to thriving. That's wonderful, wonderful. And thank you for the offer of your gift uh, today. So Nicole is going to share with us four tips for overcoming burnout that we would be adding to our resource section on happyandhealthymind.com. So we have all these great resources shared by different guests that have come to come on our podcast to share their wisdom and their piece of cumulative wisdom with us. And they're all stored under resources on happyandhealthymind.com. So if you would like to get the benefit from those resources, you can head on there, sign up and download. And if you would like us to send you the links and reminders for future programs and these resources, you can text us the word joyful to number 38470 if you are in US. So let me end today's session. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you, everybody who attended. And let me leave you with this question. You have heard many techniques today. It's your choice now to either. So I'm asking you today, what are you going to choose? Are you going to stay stuck in the patterns that you have developed and keep moving towards the burnout until you completely get burned out? Or are you going to take steps today to start implementing some of these tools so you can prevent a lot of unnecessary suffering and be the best, perform at your highest level, enjoy hope, health, and happiness. Remember, every day is a new day, a new opportunity to make new choices, make choice wisely. Stay safe and healthy. Till next time, Dr. Rosina. Thanks so much.